That's the story, right? Praise the Lord. Stand with me if you would. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We're in the book of Luke this morning. We are continuing in our Jesus Impact series. However, we are looking at the birth of Jesus. And if you remember, as we went through the Gospel of Mark, it didn't have a birth narrative. And so we're looking at the Gospel of Luke this morning, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. When you got it, say so. And it says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Quirinius, who was, who was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they, were, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which, which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that, he had, that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for the birth story that we get to look at this morning. We thank you for its reality. We thank you for its implications. We thank you for its significance. And this morning, Lord God, as we are all looking forward to different activities that we will participate in tomorrow or maybe later this day, Lord, I just pray in these next few moments that you would grip our minds, that you would grip our hearts, that you remove distractions from us, and that we, Heavenly Father, today would be able to really center in on what Christmas is all about. And may that change us, that we would live more aware of you and more for your honor and for your glory. And we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, 
Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will bring you an outline. I want to make sure that you have one so you can follow along in the intro of the sermon. And also, as always, this is an opportunity for you to go ahead and help someone else grow in their faith. And so this would be a good day or, or a good sermon to talk to someone about what Christmas is really about. Uh, we all have friends and different people have different ideas of what Christmas is about. But really, it is about something that we're going to talk about today which is this birth narrative of Jesus. Uh, there's some questions in there as well for you to answer and for you to, to think about also within that outline. And for those of you that are following along in the Bible reading challenge today, remember in the beginning of the month, we started reading one chapter a day. And so today is chapter 15 of the book of Revelation. And if you read one chapter a day from here to the end of the year, you will have read the, the rest of Revelation with us. And so Look at your outline, the first, the first line there. The commercialization of Christmas steals its significance from the forefront of what it is supposed to be all about, and that is the birth of our great Savior, right? Amen. And so the, the, when, when I say the commercialization of Christmas, I mean, right now, you guys, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're awake, right, and what I mean by that is not this morning, but just in general, if you've just been paying attention the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of I'm going to say, hoopla about the whole, you know, taking Christmas out of Christmas and, you know, people say happy holidays. I read something. It was pretty, pretty impressive. It was a tweet from an, uh, from an Iman, which he's a Muslim. He's not a believer. And he was saying how offended he was because he received a happy holidays greeting. And he's like, and yet on other holidays, you get this, you know, whatever that holiday is. And so they actually express it. And so you know, basically what he was saying is he's like, look, it's Christmas. That's what it is. And so say Merry Christmas. Christmas or whatever. And you know, someone else chimed in really smart. They said, well, it's happy holidays because there's Kwanzaa, there's Christmas, there's all this other stuff. And so whatever. Here's the thing. I like this other post that was really cool. Let's keep Christ in Christians. I let that sink in, right? Let us keep Christ in Christians, right? Like that's what's important here, you know? We get, we get all bent out of shape and so um, is this store, and, and listen, I'm all, and, and I'm all for boycotts, right? Like let's boycott whoever is like against Jesus, amen. I'm all for that, right? There's like 10 other stores that sell the same thing you sell, so you're not really that important, right? I'm a, so I'm all for that kind of stuff, but, but here's the deal. You know, we get all bent out of shape. Well, well that, you know, that store, they're not saying Christmas, so I'm not going there. Okay, amen, that's fine. But the point is that we have commercialized Christmas like Christmas is about what? Like, it's about gifts. And I'm going I'm to repeat myself in a moment. But, you know, like, Christmas is about gifts. Like, Christmas is about all of these other things. Christmas is about the parties that we're going to. Christmas is about this or Christmas is about that. And the reality is that those things steal the significance of what Christmas is really supposed to be about, right? And so it takes away from that. And so second paragraph there, while we would all probably agree, right, that mo most likely Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. How many would agree with that? Maybe not. Like... Like, nobody knows what day. Even if it was, like, December 23rd, we don't even know. Like, so, so, so the reality is we probably don't know. They weren't really big on celebrating birthdays in the Jewish culture. So that wasn't something that was probably there. They don't have birth certificates. Hello? Right? I mean, I'm just saying, like, like so, so difficult to really prove that. But we would all probably agree on that. Like, that, that, that wasn't the day. Um, some would argue that Christmas, as we know it, is rooted in paganism. Um, I, I, you know, the, one, one guy, he, was, he posted, a, a, um, and let me just say this, I think it's in, I'm going to say Jeremiah, I could be 100% wrong, right? But there is a portion of scripture that if you listen to a lot of crazy people, I'm going to call them crazy, um, they, they, there's, there's a portion where they talk about trees, 
being decorated with gold and silver, right? And someone is going to tell you that that has to do with a Christmas tree. It does not have to do with a Christmas tree. It has to do with a pole that was being made an idol. Hello, somebody, right? Like, so when you brought that Christmas tree inside of your house, you weren't erecting an idol. I hope not, unless you're bowing to it, right? I just, so the, the, the thing is, though, right, we get so caught up in this, oh, you know what, well, well, you know, th- this is pagan, right? And so there are things like, you know, probably mistletoe and stuff like that. Like, those things are probably not, you know, so holy. And there's probably some other things that are there, maybe like, like spiked eggnog might not be Christian. Anyway, um, so, you know, moving on. I know some of you like that. But anyway, I, we'll, we'll move on from there. Um, but, but, you know, rooted in paganism, right? So there's, there's things that are there. And then others, they just simply disregard it as a bad move by the Catholic Church to try and sanctify a pagan holiday, right? You've heard that, right? Like the, like the Catholic Church, they did something and they, 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 they were trying to sanctify a pagan holiday. I read a great article with some really good research. And you want to know that that thought is really unprovable. The Catholic Church was actually selling. Anyway, we're, we're going to talk about that next year. But ultimately, right, like we may all have that. But here's the thing. The question really is, if you're, if you're still reading along with me, the question really is, what are we celebrating during the Advent season as Christians? That's the question that, 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 that should be in, our, in the forefront of our hearts. What are we celebrating, right? And this has always been my thing when it comes to Christmas time. You know, I don't always preach a Christmas sermon. Yet next year, I'm actually going to preach four Christmas sermons. I'm going to do a whole Advent series. It's going to be amazing, I think. But anyway, y'all let me know next year, right? You can, you know, send me an email. Be like, Bishop, it was all right, you know. But, you know, it was great, whatever. But the point is, right, Advent, right, what are we celebrating? Like, what, is, what are you celebrating as a Christian, What is it that you're celebrating? Because if Jesus is the reason for the season, then it should reflect in your life. Are you here? You see, because I want you to think about this as as I'm going through this message here and we're talking about the birth of Jesus. I want you to think in this whole time that we've been walking up to Christmas, I want to ask you a question. How many times have you sat down with your kids and actually talked about the birth of Christ? If you don't have children, how many times have you as, as, as an individual, have you sat down and just meditated on the wonder of what we call Christmas? How many of you have done that? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Don't do that. Don't embarrass yourself, right? right? But the truth of the matter is most of us haven't thought one iota about Jesus in reality, other than the fact, you know, we got upset about some article we read or something like that, or we didn't see Merry Christmas, it's all happy holidays, but we really didn't in, in, in introspectively think about, man, what are we celebrating in this season? And so that becomes so important to me because for us, that we say Jesus is the reason for the season. Listen, we get more prepared for the gifts we're going to give or the parties we're going to have or the, or the things that we're going to do than we think about Jesus at all when it comes to this time of the year. And so the question that I pose to you, is Jesus really the reason for this season in your life? Is he really the, 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 the person that you're thinking about most at this moment? Is his gift to you for salvation the most important? Or are you thinking about other things and just saying, yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season as like, you know, some icing on a cake. Too rough. I know it's Christmas Eve. Okay. See, the answer is the single most significant moment. This is what we're celebrating. The single most significant moment in human history. Well, let me pause for a moment. Why do I say that? Well, Bishop, wouldn't you say the death of Jesus, the resurrection? I say this every year when we come around this time. You should know this. Every single year. If Jesus was not born, he could have never died. He could have never rose again. 
And so the birth of Jesus is extremely important. The advent is extremely important. And we, listen, our calendars allow us and afford us the opportunity to come together and think about at one time of the year specifically about the most important moment in history, and that was the birth of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating this moment, the day, listen to this, that God became flesh. Think about that. Subjecting himself to the lowest state possible. What do I mean by that? Listen, we're created a little bit lower than the angels, but God couldn't have come in the form of a dog. He couldn't come in the form of a mosquito. He had to come in the form of man to be able to do that which he needed to do, which was die in our place. And so he comes, and then think about this one, and putting his plan of redemption. Look, I want you to think about what Jesus did. And, and, and again, I'll repeat this later on. But what God did was he took his plan of redemption, and he put it in a manger. He wrapped it, not in swaddling clothes. He wrapped it in the, most, in, in the most defenseless thing on the earth, which is a baby. Are you here? Babies can't feed themselves. Babies cannot take care of themselves. Babies die, right? I mean, do they not? I mean, they, they die, SIDS, right? I mean, some babies just never wake up one day. I mean, the reality is I remember burying a, a, a child that was not buried. I do doing the, the funeral ceremony for a child that was like three months, three months old and just died. And, and I mean, there, there was no explanation. And so what God did was God said, I want to show you how powerful I am. I want to show you my might and that nothing can thwart my plans. Last paragraph there. Regardless of your position on the day of Christmas, the significance, which is what we're talking about, Christmas significance, should not escape you. It's not about gifts. It's not about parties. It's not about service for the poor. It's not even about family or friends. Hear me when I say this. It is about the most significant day our calendars had ever known, and we must be in awe of that. We must trust that, and we must convey that. That is what Christmas is about. And so here's the big idea I have for you this morning. The significance of Christmas changes everything. The significance of Christmas changes everything. What we're talking about changes everything. I mean, hey, it changed our calendars. Hello, somebody. From B.C. to A.D., right, there, there, there was something that occurred, right, when Christ came onto the scene. No matter who it is, I mean, you can't deny these realities. And so it changes everything. And if it changes everything in our world, it should change everything in our lives. The significance of this moment. Listen, this should be a time of year, believe this or not, this should be a time of the year that we're being liberated from our greed. Not dominated by it. Hello. Most of us are dominated by it. Listen, I confess, you know, I think about my Christmas gifts. My wife can tell you right now, I'd be like, like, I'd be like three celebrations early all the time. I'm like, babe, I want this for Christmas. And I'm like in January, right? I, you know, so they, they already know. I mean, I'm just like that. I'm, seriously, I, mean, I actually have all my gifts planned out. I'm like, okay, babe, I want this for Father's Day. I want this for my birthday. And I want this for Christmas. You know, I mean, I'm just, that's just me because I know what I want. But anyway, here's the thing, right? We, 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 we should be being liberated from greed at this time of the year. Why? Because we're focused on the greatest gift of all. Not, not upset because, oh, man, I didn't get the gift I wanted. Oh, man, they, oh, they, hooked, you. they hooked them up, you know. I, I, was watching, I was watching a show, what is it, Kevin Can Wait, right? Kevin Can Wait. And they, they were doing a Christmas gift exchange, and one of the cousins is sitting there, and he's upset because he's like, hold on a second. So you're telling me this guy got this, and you didn't get me anything. He's like, well, I'm taking this adapter, whatever it is. And so the point of the matter is just upset, right? We get so bogged down and bothered by stuff, but the reality is that the significance of Christmas should change everything. We should be thinking as we were praying this morning, and, and as we're praying, we're thinking about, man, you know what? There was somebody who's, who lost a loved one last year around this time, and this is their first Christmas without that person. 
Did you think about that person at all? You know some of them. Right now, you just thought, like, you just had thoughts of people. Did you even think about just reaching out to them and saying, hey, just want to wish you a Merry Christmas? How about even better? Did you think about inviting them to your feast that you're about to have? Did you think about that? Right? Like, it should change us. What Jesus did, God coming in the form of a man. I mean, this, there, there is great significance in this, and there's some things that should happen. There's some things that should go on inside of our hearts. So the first thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must stand in awe the facts surrounding the birth of Christ. We must stand in awe of the facts surrounding the birth of Christ. And the reason why I played, the, I had them play this video that we watched is because as you watch the video, right, if you sat down and you were watching, if you were paying attention, there are some things that were like pictured there, right, that, that, that were characterized that I think when we read the Bible, we don't see any of that stuff, right? Like we just kind of read through it. And, and as we're reading that, oh, you know, so we're going to do it again. We're going to read this with this portion, these first 12 verses together. And I want you to recognize the, the miracles that are taking place that we just read past them like it doesn't even matter. I want you to think about the dominoes that God set up. When I say dominoes, I'm talking about those dominoes that cause one thing to happen after another. And if this wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. If that wouldn't have happened. And I mean, when you look at the birth narrative of Jesus, it's something that we can read through. We can say, man, this is amazing. Let's look at verse 1 and we'll go through 12 and we'll pause as we're going down as we look at some things that God set in motion. And so it says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole, that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. And so the first thing I want you to notice is that this guy, Caesar Augustus, something had to be in his heart in order for him to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? We're going to have everyone go through this census, right? So the first thing, like we don't even think about that. But if this guy wouldn't have done this, guess who was not coming to, to, to Jerusalem to be born? Jesus. What's happening? Are you here? Okay, so I'm just saying, I mean, just, just like, let's just look at that. Okay, so that's the first thing that we see, like, oh, that's not a big deal. So then it says, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph, say Joseph. Okay, so now Joseph is who? Joseph is the betrothed, uh, or he's actually the one that, that Mary is betrothed to. So what, what happens is God, God actually makes all of this occur to where she is betrothed to a guy who is from a place where Jesus is going to be born. If he doesn't do that, guess who doesn't make it to Bethlehem? Mary never makes it to Bethlehem. She never gets there. So Joseph is there. He's also, he also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. Oh, by the way, they had to come, come out of Nazareth as well. Um, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because what? He was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, again, the betrothed, his, beloved, his betrothed wife who was with child. Now check this out. It's not done there. So it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered now think about this 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 guy this 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 augustus dude he had to go ahead and he had to decide that he was going to do this thing he wanted to count everybody right then joseph has to be in the picture because if he's not in the picture mary's not going to bethlehem mary has to be pregnant obviously but something else has to happen she has to be ready to give birth hello because they could have went, got counted, and came back to Nazareth. I'm just saying, like she could have, been, you know. What I mean, and some of you women have been pregnant in here, you know, and you and you know about it. You know, they told my wife when she was pregnant with Alexis, they were like, "Hey, um, you know, you want to have the baby? Go walk." And so we would go walk, and she would have these things called Bra Braxton Hicks, and she felt like she was going in labor. She would come home, ain't no labor, right? So what I'm saying is, Mary could have gone, and she could have went all the way over there, walked over there, felt all kind of pain, discomfort, and be like, "Baby, it ain't happening." Hello. 
right? But she had to go into labor when she gets there. And so all of these things so far are, are lining up. And, and, and think about this. I want you to think about this now. The book of Micah, you can write this down. The book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. What does it talk about? It talks about Bethlehem and Jesus being born from there. And you know when Micah was written? Micah was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Okay, all right, I know some of y'all are not impressed, but whatever. Here's the thing. It's pretty miraculous to me. Like when I think about all the stuff that we just read about in just these few verses that we looked at, in six verses, we've seen so much stuff that couldn't just happen by happenstance. Hello. All right, so let's keep reading. And so it goes on, it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, verse 7, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then the scripture goes on to say in verse 8, it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. You remember that picture in the video, if you were paying attention to the video, right? You saw them guys sitting by the fire, they were like that. That's what this was like. See, I don't even know how we picture this stuff, like how this happens. But listen, this was a huge moment. These angels, the glory of God shows up, and this angel begins to speak to these guys. These shepherds are out there. They're just doing their thing. They're normal shepherding, right? They're out there with their animals, and they're, they're there, and all of a sudden, this angel appears to them. All of a sudden, this angel comes, and this fear comes upon them, and he goes on, and, and the angel says to them in verse 10, he says, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And so what we realize is this, is that these shepherds, I said what? That we have to stand in awe of this, right? Like we should be in awe of the facts surrounding this. And this is what we see in these these shepherds. These shepherds encountered these angels and heard this message and the awe of God was on their hearts. And here's the thing that I can say is that God cannot become so normal to you that you don't stand in awe of him anymore. Are you here? Listen, for some people, God is just like, hey, it's God. Wait a second. Wait, time out. It's not just God. It is God. All right? We say it like that, right? I mean, just like, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't even get like, like, like all soulless like that. But I mean, just a real, I mean, it is God, the creator of all things, is the one who we're talking about. It's the one that we should bow before, right? It's the one that we should be humble before. I mean, that is who we're talking about. And people, we just, we just become so like, oh, God is cool. God, listen, God is cool. He's great, but he ain't cool like that. Hello. And so we can't come like that. And it has to be the same way when we're dealing with the birth of Christ. Like this cannot be something that we just, oh, yeah, Jesus was born. Yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. But, I mean, seriously. Do you, I mean, listen, this was just Luke. We haven't looked at all of the other birth narratives, right? We haven't looked at all of the other prophecies surrounding Christ. We can do that next year. That's why I'm going to take four weeks so we can look at everything that really occurs in this, in this Advent season. The reason why this becomes so important for us. So we have to be those who what? Who are standing in awe of what God did in the birth of Christ. What God did in the birth of Christ. The second thing, I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must trust The truths found in the birth of Christ. 
We must trust the truths that are found in the birth of Christ. Look at verse 13 to verse 16. And it says this. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Look what they say. Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And so what do these shepherds do? These shepherds showed that they trusted what these angels had communicated. They weren't doubting it. They said, hey, let's go look at this thing that has happened. Let's go look at what's occurred. Let's go and see the facts. That, let, let, let's see the confirmation of the reality. Let's go search this out. Let's go look and see, is this true, right? Let, let's go. But they believed because they didn't believe they wouldn't have walked. They'd be like, nah, that was crazy. What are you, did y'all see that too? I mean, you know, like, they, they, but they didn't do that. They got up. And they immediately went to go and confirm what had been heard, what they had heard from the Lord. And so what is it that was declared to them? I want you to think about this really quickly. I want you to look at what the angel said in verse 10, right? Let's look at verse 10 because this is very important for us to look at what was declared. It says, then the angel said to them, do not fear. Now look, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. The first thing we have to realize is what? The first part of the message is that it is a message of good news. The gospel message is a message of good news. Now listen, you know that I am a firm believer that the only the, what makes the good news good is the bad news, right? Like that, that's a reality, right? What makes it so good is that there is bad news. The bad news is that we are all born to sin. The bad news is, is that we make decisions to sin against the holy God. The bad news is that our sins separate us from this God. The bad news is that we could never do enough good in order to earn our way into heaven. The bad news is that you can do everything that you think is right and that does not guarantee you guarantee you a place in God's presence and the bad news the worst part of the bad news is that because of everything I just said your eternal destination separated from what Jesus has done is an eternity in hell separated from God that's bad news but see the good news is what is that a savior has been born hello the good news is that Jesus died in your place because you couldn't do enough good, so he died. He did everything good for you. The, the, the good news is that no longer, if you put your faith in Christ, no longer do, does God see you that way. But he sees you as what? His child, his son, his daughter, his friend. That's the good news. So the gospel is good news. But to help people understand how good the news is, because you know what? There's some people, they don't think they have a problem. Hello. There's some people they think they're good enough. There's some people think that they're okay. They think they're smart enough. Somehow they have outsmarted God. Hello. Somehow they figured this out. Somehow they've arrived to another level of life. Let me tell you something. This scripture, everybody is going to stand before God Almighty, and they're all going to hear either one of two things. They're either going to hear, enter into the joy of your Lord. He's going to tell them to enter into this. Welcome. Or he's going to tell you, part from me, you work of iniquity. See, that's just a reality. And you know what? I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. I don't care how cute you are, how ugly you are. It doesn't matter. I don't care how religious you are or irreligious you are. None of those things matter. What matters is what have you done with the Savior? What have you done with the good news that was given to you? What have you done with the good news that has been released into your life? What have you done with that good news? And so we see here the message is good news. It's good news for who? Say for everyone. Listen, it's not just good news for the shepherds. 
It's not just good news for Mary and Joseph. It's not just good news for the Jews. It's not just good news for a few people. It is good news for everyone. That's what the angel says. Not what I'm saying. The angel says it will be a message of good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And what is the, what is the good message in great, great joy? It says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Christ. Amen. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, one who is able to save, one who is a deliverer, one who is able to break the chains of bondage on your life, one who is able to bring you free. The beauty of this is it's a message that prophecy has been fulfilled. That is awesome stuff right there. What does it mean when prophecy is fulfilled? What it means is that years and years and years ago, God spoke something and he brings it to pass. And you know what that means for us? That means for us that there's hope in the gospel. That means that there is hope in the gospel. Because what? Because God brought to pass his prophecy. He brought this great savior forward, the Christ, the anointed one. What does that mean, the Christ? So he's talking about the anointed one, the Christos in the Greek. What does that mean? See, in those days, they used to anoint a king. There was one that was appointed. And it was that one that was the king. It was that one that was the ruler. And what he is saying here, he is saying the one who has been anointed, he is the savior, he is the deliverer, but he is the anointed one. He is the only one who can bring deliverance to your life. And so that's good news. God is able to keep his promises. The Savior has been born. And then look at verse 14. He says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. And so what does God do? God offers all men peace. He offers all men goodwill. He, listen, God is good. Amen? He's always good to everyone, even to his enemies. He's good to them. He shows them. He offers them peace. He offers them. Look, it's, 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 it's like this. He offers them peace, just like when a, another, another kingdom is coming against this kingdom. Well, you know what? They can offer them a way of peace. And God says, listen, I don't want to destroy you. I don't want anyone, listen, hear me when I say this. God does not rejoice in the death of the wicked. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he wills that all men would be saved. Therefore, what does that tell me? The heart of God is that no one suffers eternity. That no one experiences hell. The scripture says this, that hell was created for what? For Satan and those fallen angels. That's what hell was created for. That's what the Bible says, not me. This is what scripture says. And so what does God do? He offers you conditions of peace. What is that? Put your faith in my son. Trust my son. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Don't trust your own good works. Don't trust your own way of being. God offers peace and extends goodwill to men. And here's the thing. Just as the shepherds trusted the truth and, and, and the, the truth told them, so we have to. We must trust the truth of God's word and do what they do. They went and encountered Christ. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And they were changed. And they did what? They brought change to everyone around them. That is what should occur when we're looking at Christmas. Christmas should be a time that we are reminded of these truths. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must convey, we must convey the, gospel the gospel rooted, rooted in the birth of Christ. Christ. We must convey the gospel that is rooted in the birth of Christ. There is one Savior. He's been born. And you know the story. He lived a perfect life. He died in our place. But it all starts, again, where? In the birth and because these shepherds believe, they went from being average guys to evangelists. Hello. 
They went from being average guys to evangelists. Let's read the rest of the story here. It says, now when they had seen him, say seen him. They encountered Jesus. They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. So what did they do? When they encountered Christ, their lives were changed. Once they encountered him, their lives were transformed. And they did what? They walked away from there. Guys, they, listen, they came in there as shepherds and they walked out of there as evangelists. They went in there as just, listen, you, when you walk into the presence of God, you come in one way and you walk out changed. You walk out as a voice. You walk out as a witness because you've encountered God. That is what we need to do. The result of encountering Jesus is sharing the truth about him, and that is the gospel. Listen, you want to know why I'm going to die preaching this gospel? Is because I encountered Jesus when I was 17 years old, and I will never forget that day. I will never forget that day. And I didn't just encounter him one time. I've encountered Jesus multiple times over and over and over again because I've sought him. Because I pursued him and he has allowed me graciously to enter into his presence. And every time that I encounter him, I'm changed a little bit more. Every time I experience his presence, I'm changed a little bit more. Listen, whether it's my nasty attitude because I'm having a bad day and I get into his presence, I come out with a smile on my face. Hello. I come out with my heart humbled. I come out changed because of what? I'm witnessing the reality of what God has done inside of me. And all of this we see in the birth narrative of Jesus. In the birth narrative of Jesus, here's what I want to say before I close here. We can only effectively convey the truth of God and out of our experience with God. Are you here? We can only effectively convey the truth of God out of our experience with God. Listen, I can talk to you about apple pie. Hello, somebody. I have 42 seconds to talk about apple pie. Sister Cheryl, she introduced me to the most amazing apple pie created straight up now if she would have told me about it I would have been like ah, okay but come on somebody she brought me some and then check it out she brought me the first one and she was like bishop that one wasn't right she brought me the second come on somebody she brought me a second one glory to God and when she brought me the second one, I was like, I never want another apple pie in this home. If you bring another apple pie, that is totally, that, that, that's sacrilegious. Hello, somebody. Right? That is demonic. That is the devil. Any other pie. My, well, listen, to, to the point that my wife learned how to make the pie, glory to God. So I have access to this pie. I can encounter this pie anytime I want. Amen. But you know why I'm so, I'm so able to make you laugh and all that kind of stuff? It's because I tasted the pie. It's because I, I ate a lot of the pie. Hello, somebody. I've had three so far. I'm just saying, like, I know this is, this is the real deal. For any of you apple pie lovers, once you have this pie, you're going to be changed forever. Look, my mom doesn't even like apple pie. And she said, she said to my, you know what I want for Christmas? An apple pie. Hello, somebody. That is how transformative. And can I tell you something? Jesus is greater than apple pie. Hello. So if you get one takeaway, right? Jesus is greater than anything else you and I could ever have. He's greater than any joy we could have. He's greater than any peace we could have. He's greater than any high that we could ever have. And listen, when you encounter him, you'll be telling other people about that. Can I tell you the issue? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to close right now. The greatest issue in our churches today is not the fact that we have evangelism issues. It's that we have encounter problems.
Because when we encounter Jesus, it's no problem talking about him. When we are encountering him, there is no issue telling people about Jesus. You know why we don't want to talk about Jesus? You know why we're fearful to talk about Jesus? Because we're not encountering Jesus the way that we should. And so here's my closing question. Has your life been changed and is it being changed as a result of the significance of Christmas? Has your life been changed? Listen, so the first question is for those in this place, you may not be walking with Jesus. Has your life been changed? Listen, everything I just went through are facts. These are realities. Has your life been changed? Have you, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Listen, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus today, I implore you, surrender to him. Call upon him today. Cry out to him today. Cry out to him today. Say, God, forgive me for my sins. God, I need you in my life. Surrender your life to him. And for those of you that say, yes, I've done that, my question is this, are you continually being changed? Or were you changed once and then no longer are you changing? Listen, God doesn't want to change you one time. He wants to continue to transform you, continue to deliver you, continue to set, to set you free. Listen, the significance of Christmas changes everything. So I pray the Savior changes you today. Come on, let's all stand on our feet real quick. Let's pray together. Great God, we humble our hearts before you today. And Lord, I know that there are some in this place that they don't know you, God. And I pray for them that as I'm praying that they would call upon you. I pray that as I'm praying that they would cry out to you. I pray that as I am praying that they would call upon the Savior, the anointed one, the Christ, that they would surrender their life to you today, God. That they would no longer run from you, but that they would run to you. That they would know that you are a faithful God and that you can, that you can deliver them from wherever they are, whatever they're facing, that you will walk with them through it, God. Father, and I pray for those in this place that know you, those that have been changed by you once or twice, but God have, have, have grown cold. God, may today be a day that they commit. May today be a day that they repent of not encountering you, of not seeking you, of not pursuing you, God. May today be that day that their lives are changed for eternity. And may they begin to encounter you more and more. In Jesus' great name. God, we thank you. We thank you. We surrender to you, all of our hearts, all of our lives, and we thank you for the significance of Christmas. We give you praise today and glory in Jesus' great name. And everyone said, amen. Come on and give the Lord a hand of praise. And so really quickly, you can be seated for a moment.